Introducing True Crime PI, an investigative bi-weekly podcast that explores missing and unidentified cold cases from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Dana Pohl. I am a writer and a librarian with a passion for investigating the missing and unidentified. Most life stories begin at birth and end with death. But the stories of the missing and unidentified are disrupted by a mysterious occurrence that obscures the who, what, when, and why. Without the answers to these questions, the missing and unidentified remain in limbo, waiting for someone to write the ending of their stories. My hope is that collectively, we can be that someone. Welcome to True Crime P.I. Episode 6, Who is Our Doe? According to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, otherwise known as NamUs, over 600,000 people go missing each year. Fortunately, many missing children and adults are found alive and well. However, tens of thousands remain missing. Adding to the number of missing persons are the 4,000 unidentified bodies recovered each year. Sadly, year after year, approximately 1,000 of these bodies remain unidentified. This is a cumulative crisis and one that affects the lives of far too many families. In 1984, our Doe became one of the 1,000 and nearly 37 years later, she remains unidentified. My initial investigation into this case generated a lot of questions. I knew I needed answers, but I wasn't sure where to go or who to ask. I put my research skills to the test and eventually I followed a breadcrumb trail that led me to Detective John Dawes who was able to answer all of my questions because they were not novel. Over the past 36 years, several detectives had asked and answered these same questions. And although we learned that this case has been thoroughly investigated, our two most important questions remain unanswered. Who killed our doe? And who is our doe? Just when I was beginning to feel like we might never be able to answer these questions, I spoke with Amy Hutzel. Amy's interest in this case has given us hope that one day our Doe's killer will be identified. But even if they determine that Samuel Little was her killer, there is no guarantee that his confession will lead to her identification. This is why I have been actively working to connect the Cobb County Medical Examiner's Office with Amy Hutzel and the Sackey Task Force so that together they can initiate the DNA profiling and genetic genealogy research needed to identify our doe. In Episode 3, we touched on genetic genealogy when we discussed Detective Dawes' work with C.C. Moore, otherwise known as the DNA Detective. Since 2018, DNA profiling and genetic genealogy have solved hundreds of cold cases. B. 
Because I love to learn and share information, I asked David Middleman, founder and CEO of Authram and DNAsolves.com, to talk with us about his background, what Authram is, and what they do to help solve cold cases like our does. My background was uh, primarily in, in biomedical research and in diagnostics. And so um, I, I've, over the years, uh, you know, developed friendships and, and partnerships with a lot of colleagues that also work in that space. And there was a handful of us that are really excited about kind of developing and exploring the interesting applications to DNA technology. Um, and we had spent quite some time working in this space and wanted to, to kind of see where else we could bring value. Um, when we first started working in DNA tech, the idea of applying it, you know, this kind of newer kinds of DNA testing methods that we use now to medicine were, were, it was very new, and, uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty as to how that would work. And right now, I think that space in medicine has become very mature, and there are a lot of really smart people working in that area. And so we wanted to go look for another way to make a difference, and there's, there's 20 of us that have explored DNA science from different applications, uh, you know, different directions, whether whether through this, you know, genetics angle, um, which is my background, or or just having, you know, we have we have someone that's done, you know, medical sales and, and has kind of explained DNA technology for the last decade or so, and and so that that's someone that you know wanted to join in and, and take technology that we have developed in a new direction, um, computer programmers, so all these folks that have wildly different skill sets. But, um, but all share a common interest in kind of the DNA tech. And we wanted to apply it to a problem that we thought was, you know, impactful like medicine, um, but just underserved in an area where, where, you know, maybe perhaps people haven't thought about it, uh, applying this technology. And so that kind of brought us to, uh, to forensics. There's this, uh, you know, ongoing issue of accumulating unidentified remains, cases that don't go solved. And these, these cases uh, form a, a backlog before a backlog of cold cases that that sometimes uh, will never get solved without some new lead or, or new new way to drive the case forward. And so, um, you know, if you contrast, you know, that you can go almost anywhere now to get a diagnostic test that'll measure something in DNA and inform on your health, where, where do you go to really figure out how to inform uh, on a crime scene to get more information that might generate that precious lead that takes a cold case to to the next step? And so, so that's kind of the, the rationale. We, we figured there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff that's been developed in the last decade to help drive medical testing uh, in, in this DNA space that could also have uh, applicability and value in helping drive successful outcomes for cold cases. And so we built Authram, uh, started the company in 2018, and, uh, and built uh, what remains uh, the only, you know, completely in-house end-to-end forensic facility for applying these kind of more advanced DNA testing methods towards, um, towards solving these cases. 20 colleagues with an interest in genetics formed Authram, the first and only completely private in-house end-to-end DNA testing facility. This collaboration has taken forensic DNA testing to a new level. To complement Authram's testing services, David and his team created DNAsolves.com. I asked David to explain the value of DNAsolves.com and exactly how it works. We also have uh, DNAsolves.com, which is a site that we use to catalog 
and uh, and then raise funding for and then raise support for and awareness for various cases that we're working on. So we've got kind of uh, Authorum, which is the, the laboratory that um, develops and refines and, and then uses the tech to perform uh, testing and other services for casework. And this is through law enforcement. And then we have DNA Solves, which is kind of our our public interface to let people know what cases we're working on, um, what cases we need help with. And then we also use the platform to share some of the successes because I think it's important to share the successes that arise from using this technology. Um, the more successes you show, the, the more it resonates with others and they, they may find that they have a case of their own that would benefit from the technology. Um, and I think long-term it drives change. And then, you know, we, we envision a future where people will not just be excited to use the technology, but they will, uh, in fact, expect it. It will become a standard tool in the toolbox of, of forensic professionals. DNAsolves.com gives law enforcement, the family and friends of a missing person, or anyone interested in helping to identify an unidentified person, the ability to submit a case, crowdfund a case, and ultimately to help solve a case. Before DNAsolves.com, law enforcement had to secure funding prior to submitting the case for DNA profiling and genealogical research. In some cases, finding the funds could take years. Now law enforcement, me, you, family or friends, can submit a case to Authram. If approved, a crowdfunding campaign can be created on DNAsolves.com and anyone who is interested in solving the case can donate to ensure it gets funded. Personally, I think this is a brilliant model because it inspires collaboration and provides us with a proven and effective way to help identify the unidentified. I wanted to know more about what to expect once a case is accepted and funded, so I asked David to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the process. If there's a case that's interesting to you, um, then then you can you can recommend it to us. We uh, have a couple ways that you can reach out to us, either through authorum.com or, or, or folks can uh, email us at solve, S-O-L-V-E, at authorum.com. And uh, authorum is O-T-H-R-E-M. And so, so you can email us uh, or you can, you can reach out via our website. And if you've got an interesting case, then, then we're always happy to hear about cases that are important to, to at least some folks. Um, there's so many cases to work, and so but we're looking for ones where there's a good chance we can bring help, there's interest, and, and we know we'll have public support um, if we need help, you know, driving the case forward. And so, so anyone can suggest a case. Having said that, um, we, we only work through law enforcement, so you can suggest a case. The alternative is to have law enforcement, if you're in contact with them, reach out to us. Um, and, and if you suggest it, then we'll reach out to them. The way the relationship works is we would make contact with law enforcement, confirm that they have interest uh, and, and the ability uh, to involve us in the investigation. We can't help every investigation, but we try to help where we can. And we try to early on determine if we're going to bring a value. If we're not going to bring a value, we don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, we have really cool tech, but our tech is not uh, not the right tech for every case. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk to law enforcement, and if we have their support and can continue, we do a case review. We'll look at everything that was done before. Uh, we'll look at what worked and what didn't work. All those facts uh, will give us clues into what kind of testing we could offer that would be different and helpful. And then if we, if we think we can work the case, 
We have a, a law enforcement portal where they can submit information to us. We formally review it in the lab. And then if we can accept it, we send them information uh, on how to submit basically the, the, the evidence to our facility. We do everything in-house. And, uh, and so there's end-to-end -end chain of custody, and this is a lot of process built around how we receive and handle evidence. Once we get the evidence in, we do uh, a preliminary QC check, and what that allows us to do is it allows us to, again, confirm, even after we reviewed all the, all the documents, we, we review the actual evidence, or sometimes a DNA extract, and, and we, we try to determine, uh, is there a good likelihood that we'll be able to build a DNA profile for this? And not just any profile, but a profile that would allow them to ask the questions and answer the questions that they have. And if we think we can do that, then we take the next step. And if we can't, we stop. We'll stop there and we'll come back and say, look, this is, this is not the right time to explore this evidence. The most important thing in these investigations is not to consume evidence. Um, you also don't want to consume budget because budgets are finite. So the idea is, you know, not to solve a case at any cost. Um, or to take a lot of risk. The idea is how can you get the most genetic information from uh, DNA evidence by consuming the least amount of evidence and the least amount of budget? That's really kind of what our, our motto is. But if we have a, a case with evidence that is, uh, you know, is, is something that we can work with, um, is, is reasonable and tractable, and is past QC, we then proceed into the remaining steps, which is to, in the laboratory, collect the data that we need, then on the computer, build a DNA profile. Sometimes you call it a genealogical profile. And it's going to be this, this set of SNP markers that uh, allow us to then uh, do a search and look for, you know, uh, close but also distant relatives um, to, the, to the profile that we've generated on an unknown subject. And then there's a lot of research, you know, family tree research, records research. There's other work uh, done by the investigators that kind of overlays upon the genetic evidence information that they may have gathered from the investigation. And ultimately, we turn over all of our findings to law enforcement, and, and really, they take the investigation to the next step. So, you know, we're, we're, we, don't, we don't ever really solve the case. What we do is we provide identifying information. We'll provide, uh, you know, candidates, uh, you know, leads, and then those are followed up on by law enforcement. They do the actual investigative work to determine if this lead uh, is truly a candidate for the person you're looking for, whether they're trying to identify a victim or a suspect. And then eventually we sometimes get involved at the end to do confirmatory testing. So, you know, it's, it's always good to confirm by a couple of different methods that you've, you've made the right identification. And then hopefully that takes the case to a positive outcome, whether it's, you know, reconnecting someone that has died uh, without a name back to their family, whether it's uh, identifying someone that might have been involved in a crime and and, and that, that may go through a whole additional lengthy step, right, if it, if it, if it leads to an arrest and, and then there's a, a prosecution effort and off it goes. Othram provides the identifying information to investigators so that they can move the case forward to what Detective Dawes called a successful disposition. This got me wondering, how long does it take Othram to create a DNA profile? complete the genealogical research, and for law enforcement to confirm and announce a positive outcome. The turnaround time for, for a process like this is going to be generally 12 weeks, and that's going to be from the uh, day that the evidence hits our door uh, to the day that we can provide a genealogical profile, a data file that could be used in a genealogical search. Now, for the second part is like, well, how long does it take to do uh, the records research and, and to, to generate information that would be 
um, useful. That's kind of a more of a up in the air. It's, you know, the lab pro- process is very standardized, so you know we, we always know it's going to take you know twelve weeks or less. For the for the research side, we've had cases that have kind of produced uh, useful information within hours, and then we've had others that have taken days and and others that have taken weeks. So it just depends. It's hard to know. It really depends on if you're doing like for example a genealogical search. It depends on the matches that you get. Um, it could depend on the type of records. That are available um, on the on the size of trees. So there's a lot of stuff that factor into the overall turnaround time. Since 2018, Authorm has contributed to several suspect and victim identifications. Recently, Authorm and DNA Solves played a role in solving two high-profile unidentified persons cases, mostly harmless, and the Pecos Jane Doe case. This case that involved a hiker that was known as mostly harmless, this is a case that was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, a lot of people were interested in this case. So the case was brought to our attention. We, we did not know about the case. And, um, and we always worked through law enforcement. And so uh, Collier County Sheriff's Office uh, expressed interest. And it was because of that interest that we proceeded forward to work out a way to, to, to do the testing. And, and that was done through crowdfunding. And it's an interesting case because uh, it ended up being a whole bunch of things, crowdfunding, um, Internet sleuthing, uh, just knowing a little bit about the genetic origins, um, the biogeographical origins of the, of, the, of the unknown hiker. So all these things kind of working in concert that eventually led us to, uh, led us to someone uh, recognizing uh, this guy. And, and, then, and then, again, some DNA work at the end to confirm identity because obviously the the, the, the best way, as we had talked about, to, to confirm identity is with a DNA test. And then getting this case to a successful outcome after, after it had been unsolved for um, a, good, you know, a good number of years. And so we have, we have cases like that where they're, they're traditionally crowdfunded from scratch. We've got other cases where sometimes uh, law enforcement just doesn't have all the funding. Um, we've done cases. We had a case with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. This is a Pecos Jane Doe case where law enforcement had contributed um, the majority of the funds necessary to test. But, you know, we, we needed additional um, resources to do uh, some of the extra work necessary. And, and so we had a small crowdfund. And, and that also uh, was a case that went to a positive outcome. Uh, it was a, a girl that had drowned uh, in 1966 in a pool at a hotel. And she had never been identified. She was, she was buried as the unknown drowned girl, um, as I believe what it said on her on her um, gravestone. And so we, uh, you know, worked with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They actually uh, worked with, uh, with NamUs. So they worked together, did a lot of work before we ever got involved um, it, it, just to exhume the body because this person had been, you know, buried and, and, and was exhumed after uh, over 50 years. We got involved kind of towards the end and, and performed the DNA testing necessary to build that genealogical profile. And then, and then another group uh, pieced together uh, clues from family trees and from these matches of, of people that have opted in to use their data. And at the end, it was a positive outcome. We, you know, the law enforcement was able to identify this girl and um, went to visit her family. And, you know, she died in 1966, but it was very fortunate that she has siblings that are still alive and, you know, still waiting for an answer. And, I am so glad that David and his team were able to help solve these cases. My hope is that one day 
every unidentified person will be identified. I know that many of you are looking for ways to help, so I asked David to share his thoughts on how we can get involved. There are so many ways to get involved. Contributing your DNA is one of them, um, but you might also choose to help spread the word on a case, um, you know, get it in front of someone that might have a tip. Uh, we also crowdfund cases. There are some cases that we're not able to secure funding for, and so and you can help crowdfund the case. So there's a lot of ways to get involved. If you want to, if you want to make a difference, there isn't just one way to do it. And and you find the the way to do it that makes you feel like uh, you're making the difference, but you also feel comfortable. Othram really cares about victims and their families, giving the unidentified back their names and closing cold cases. David is a visionary. And it isn't often that I have the chance to talk to someone who is a leader in the field of forensic DNA. So I took the opportunity to ask one final question. What will Othram be doing in five years? David's answer made me feel hopeful because it provides a solution to a problem that has hindered the resolution of our Doe's case and so many others. Missing evidence. Our goal at Authram is to basically digitize evidence, just like you would, you know, digitize your record collection or your cassette tape collection, right? Because, you know, music that sits on a vinyl or on a cassette tape, that, that kind of fades and degrades over time as well. So in the same way you try to, like, digitize your, your audio collection and, and, you know, maybe build a library of MP3s um, that sit on your computer, likewise, what we want to do is help digitize evidence because once you can capture the right information and if you do it correctly and you get really good quality data, then you've preserved indefinitely a record of, of that victim or crime scene. And that enables folks to then use tools that are available now, maybe available in the future to, to work that case. I feel like uh, when the DNA evidence is gone, you know, and there's no other leads, like that's when the case truly goes cold. But as long as there's DNA evidence, there's a reason, you know, there's a chance that you might un unlock information that can be helpful in kind of steering that case uh, to a positive outcome. So that's, that's it's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's, that's kind of what we want to do is we want to focus on trying to digitize as much evidence as possible. And, and again, really focus on, on the idea of making this available for all investigations and not just a, a small handful um, or, or not just a few at a few agencies. David Middleman, CEO, Othram, and DNA Solves. Thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us. Your ability to make forensic DNA understandable is appreciated. Links to dnasolves.com and Othram can be found in the show notes. Join me next time for the last episode of the first season of True Crime P.I., I will share my final thoughts and any available updates on this case. I will also be featuring listener questions and comments in this episode. So if you have a question or a comment, visit www.truecrimepi.com and look for the Send a Voicemail tab on the right side of the homepage. I look forward to hearing from you. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter like our True Crime PI Facebook page and join our Facebook group to discuss and crowdsource the cases featured in each episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please take a minute to rate and review it. If you don't, we would love to hear your suggestions. Thank you for listening. True Crime P.I. is written and edited by Dana Pohl. Theme music, CD Streets, and Come Out and Play, written and performed by the very talented Darren Curtis at darrencurtismusic.com.